Well, hello again, friends. Welcome to another episode of Fathoms and Enneagram podcast. We are here for another Fathom 15, another short episode where we uh, talk about an Enneagram related topic. And today we are going to uh, dig in a little deeper to framing question for this season. It's season two, gents. We're in it. We are, <laughs> we are. We are officially in it, yes. <laughs> we are in it. It's too go. late to turn back now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just plowing ahead as a three, I'm good at that. So <laughs> ever onward. Um, we've just had an amazing episode with our teacher, Nan Henson, which I think illustrates beautifully what we're trying to do uh, with this episode. Mm. So we want to make sure that we frame what happened with Nan because it was beautiful and profound and uh, so that you can know what to expect in how we go about all these other conversations and interviews uh, in this season. The thing with Nan, I think, is uh, we didn't even directly necessarily ask that question in the interview, but what is your, con- what is your, what is your unique contribution to the Enneagram conversation that provides the depth we need in our present world? And I think the, the, great representation that Nan brought to the table was just herself yeah. and how the Enneagram and her own life experience, the person behind the type, the person that knows so much about the Enneagram, but it's her heart and how she uses the Enneagram that provides the unique depth. So it's not necessarily like these people are super well-versed in the Enneagram or highly skilled in communicating or anything like that. It's, they're bringing their fullest self with the tools that they know of in the Enneagram in order to fully provide that depth and complexity we need. Yeah. In many ways, this is the question that's behind all the questions that we ask. So we don't Mm -hmm. necessarily ask this question explicitly in any one interview for this season. I mean, we may in the future, but um, we do ask it as we communicate with guests leading up to the interview because it, it does kind of frame the conversation. Because as we've discussed already, the Enneagram is really popular right now and the world uh, is facing it seemingly many kind of critical issues and moments all at once. <laughs> and so how can we bring mm. the wisdom of the Enneagram and uh, the depth that it provides to these kind of present and urgent needs in our world? So I wonder if we might talk about uh, the correlation between the Enneagram helping us see ourselves, but also how that is tied to then also how we see uh, the world, you know, from a from a, a global perspective, maybe. How do you, how would you guys, how does, well, here's the question. How do you think the Enneagram shows us those two are connected? I was just having this conversation with a friend of, it's so easy to uh, get caught in one or the other, whether it's strict individualism or uh, focus strictly on the system and the, or the culture of something. And I think it's both are individually important to actually understand and see the differences, but also realizing that both of them inform each other, that, that there is, there is a circular loop of, well, the system is made of individuals, but the system is also influencing the individuals that are making up the system. Hmm. So I think, that is that is where it comes down to our own personal work, our own personal growth and presence that is influencing the system. And 
at least from my vantage vantage point, I'm probably predisposed to more of the individual outlook of do your own work, and that's what's gonna that's what's gonna really start changing and shifting the system that needs so much work. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it's a common, I'd say, strong suggestion from Enneagram teachers, and I understand why. But you often hear from Enneagram teachers, hey, do your own work first. You know, don't try to impose the Enneagram work on others, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. I think it's actually, it's wise counsel. I think an unintended consequence of that could be, well, the Enneagram is just this thing just for me, kind of in isolation, mm-hmm. uh, in my own kind of, you know, solitary place. And I think it was Suzanne Stabile has said, that the Enneagram is solitary work that can't be done alone, mm, um, which yeah. I, I think is is a profound kind of look into, I think, what the Enneagram does. That It actually does provide ways for us to do really important inner work, but in such a way that it is not done in a vacuum. It is not done purely in isolation, mm-hmm. right? The impact of that inner work uh, has communal imp- implications, has societal implications, it better anyway because of all that we're facing right now. It has to, right? So that makes me think of Virginia Woolf who says that if you do not tell the truth about yourself, you cannot tell it about other people. Oh, and good. yeah, which which makes sense to me of, you know, we don't see the world the way it is, but we say the world the way we are, that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, so in a sense, potentially you know, our quality of seeing our own illusion and blindness is dependent on the work that we do to uncover all the ways that we are conditioned to not see. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. that's in in a sense that's how we potentially that's how we bring about more some more unity in the world. You know, when we're as opposed and divided as we as we are, how wh- why is it that we we can't get into the shoes of the other people? Um, right. Well, I, I just wonder if that's because. It's true that you know we are asleep to the thing we hate in other people in us. I guess a question along those lines um, for both of you and is how I mean how do we how do we see the things that we don't know we're not supposed hmm, how do we see the things that we don't know that we're not seeing if that makes sense <laughs> and like in a culture right now that's full of obvi- obviously contrary facts seemingly facts yeah how do we how do we believe how do we know what to believe what is like what is real what what is in front of us is that what's actually happening or is that what we're um choosing to see yeah oh i thought you were going to answer drew <laughs> well <laughs> yeah I, I have some thoughts like, yeah yeah so okay so i i think yeah we are living in what many are calling a post-truth age you know where mm-hmm we can find validation for any particular angle on any issue that we want mm-hmm. on the internet and find you know deep fake videos and you name it. And we can put it out there and convince people <laughs> that something completely untrue is airtight, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know like the total answer to that. Like that, that seems like a, it's a, a really challenging dynamic of our time. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if if we can get closer to some semblance of truth if we actually take seriously the three centers of intelligence of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and this, and yeah, you know, I realize I, I'm at risk of like, you know, promoting the Enneagram as the cure all for everything. And that's not what I'm getting <laughs> at here. Um, but I do um, think that truly focusing with intention and attention, our heads, our hearts, and our guts, when we encounter information is going to help us make sense of and discern the things that we see on the internet, mm -hmm. the uh, content that we consume mm -hmm. on social media. Because as opposed to just, you know, maybe a strict kind of validating confirmation bias in our heads or mm -hmm. a, uh, a, a pure kind of revulsion, you know, in our hearts at what we're seeing mm -hmm. or simply a pure going with our gut. I think if, if we find healthy rhythms to bring all three centers of intelligence to bear, I think we're going to have a better way in which to kind of validate information and, uh, and judge whether or not it's true or accurate. And in so doing, perhaps fight against the algorithms that want to promote this stuff, right, mm -hmm. on social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that that could be really helpful if if we know how to access all three centers of intelligence in helpful and deeper ways, as opposed to just staying in, in the default settings of our character structure, which would right. uh, use them in disordered and you know uh, and often neglecting mm -hmm. one, if not two, centers of intelligence in order to cope and thrive. Right. I think maybe maybe to play devil's advocate with that is. The center of intelligence that we're located in is is the most patterned, as as you've said, Abram, right. a bunch. And so how how do we take how do we how do we hold all of those? How do we hold that information and and distinguish between what is pattern and what is actual reality? Um, yeah, that's a good I question. Know, yeah, yeah. I think um, patterns are not a responsive. Are not yeah. We're not responsive. They're reactive and. I'd like to think we know what it feels like, the difference between a reaction and a response. Um, not everybody, maybe, but I think what, what triggers you uh, emotionally, I think that is always something to inquire upon. And I think emotions are especially heightened right now. And I think that just means, well, hmm, what, what do I think needs defended right now? Because as I think it, the smaller self, the, the, the fragmented self, is the one that needs defended. The one that isn't really you, it's a limited you, but the one that you have confused for all of you. So I just, yeah. I just think um, it's never a good idea to do this, and I did this early on in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but but I, uh, I, I used to say, uh, well, Honey, Richard Rohr says the true self is unoffendable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I said it maybe once. Okay, I said it maybe once, and I was like, "Oh no, what have I done?" You only Abram, Abram, Abram. <laughs> but but that <laughs> but that makes sense, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, for one, that you should never do that. I learned from yeah. my lesson, folks. But yeah, uh, no, the, the 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 true self is the one is the the full self, the the part of us that has learned to include. Yeah. What we've rejected, you know, that does that that undermine we perceive undermines us getting mm -hmm. what's most important to us. Yeah, and I do think it is about the centers. You know, I mean, if if you uh, look at um, Hurley and Donson's work, they talk about how type is actually a, comes out of configuration, a specific configuration of the centers, and right. and and a, a ranking, right? 
how you uh, put those in a specific order. So potentially, is not could you not work backwards to order your centers by looking at your specific type patterns, mm. by seeing them, by noticing them, by presencing them, so that yeah. you can disidentify with them. The more that you do that, um, potentially the more that you are growing and cultivating your capacity for presence. And so the more you're growing in presence, the more right. you are deepening who you truly are so that you don't have to react mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I think for those that may be listening to this and think, oh, that seems like a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I think maybe a half step while you're on that journey you know, to figuring out you know, reverse engineering the character structure, maybe is, is that what you're saying, Abram? Um, mm-hmm. Is is to consider these things, yeah, in the context of community. So, you know, for for me as a dominant type three, who uh, definitely distorts and represses the heart center, to be with others who are really strong in the heart center, and who perhaps lead with it. Yeah. And (laughs) defer to them to help me understand what emotional intelligence could be brought to bear on Mm -hmm. whatever it is that's in front of me is a really powerful thing for me to do as opposed to dismissing it and saying, you know, uh, feelings are drag or, you know, uh, or uh, I can think my way through this or Mm -hmm. I can just act act or produce my way through this. And I think mm-hmm. that can be really helpful, especially since we are in such a tribalistic age, right? Where we're already mm-hmm. prone to other, so many groups of people and perhaps demonize them. What we don't want to do is certainly even continue to fractal ourselves even more and only want to view <laughs> uh, what's right in front of us in our world through mm-hmm. the lens of the dominant type and those who also think and feel and act the same way that I do, right? Yeah. I I think that's where community is just so incredibly important is if there's something that I'm like, this, I feel like this thing is true or this thing is, I don't know, maybe something feels off about it or something feels so right about it, but I'm like, that was too easy. Like <laughs> consulting other friends that are in different centers or to uh, friends that I know are, uh, my lines for sort of like one and two, mm-hmm. like yeah. looking looking to those points for for wisdom and clarity. I I know different friends. I mean, especially like friends that are fives. When I'm in a hyper emotional situation, I just go to them, and they're just able to like not not get caught up in the emotion and be super objective when I I've lost that capacity. So using those around you to yeah. lend more of a voice, and the more the more I think I find a an easy box to put something in, I I inevitably encounter a story or an experience that completely breaks that open. So as soon as I think I figure something out or figure someone out or figure a concept out, then there's there's something else just right over the horizon that shakes that loose. Yeah. And so just learning to hold everything with an open hand. Now, now that doesn't mean like just flip-flopping and being blown and tossed by the wind kind of deal but it is but it is a an acknowledgement that you know what i am not an expert on everything Hmm. and i don't know everyone's story yeah so 
it's it's difficult and it's scary to to allow that sort of um, insecurity to happen. Sure, uh, but I think it is a necessary step into accepting and and finding the deeper truth that is that is underneath it all. That's good, and I, I think what you're what you're speaking to is that not only does our personality type and all of its structure and frameworks, you know, therein provide some gifts, but also some barriers to us internally. Mm-hmm. I think our, our personality type also provides some gifts and and also some barriers externally in our kind of relational, cultural, societal spheres. And uh, acknowledging that and considering so that we don't just react, but do respond, as you're saying, Abram, in our relational kind of field with others is so important and so critical. Um, and even... I think it's worth saying even more challenging in an age of COVID, right? Where mm-hmm. so much of how we engage and interact with the, with each other has this have had these restrictions, if not restrictions, kind of this elephant in the room, right? <laughs> that mm-hmm. that we're having to navigate all the time. So, you know, you know, getting back to this season's theme of exploring the depths of the Enneagram and the way that those those depths kind of meet the needs of our present world, I think if we could draw a theme out of this conversation, it's that the Enneagram does provide us so much internally, but it, that internal work does need to have kind of outward expressions and implications in how we engage and interact our world. You know, I'm th- mindful of a book I read years and years ago uh, by Diedrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together, which talked a lot about the, the need for rhythms of solitude and community you know, that in one Mm. chapter was called the day alone and another chapter is called the day together, I think. And uh, we need both and we need to have healthy rhythms of intentionally engaging uh, our solid, our work in solitude and our work among others. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the Enneagram I think has profound implications for both of those settings um, to help us navigate what we're experiencing in the here and now. Yeah. So I'm curious to see, you know, how the conversations that we're going to be having with our guests and among the three of us are going to start to explore that. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm hopeful and confident, actually, that uh, listeners will come away with some help and uh, some wisdom in how to navigate our interior world uh, in such a way that it, it helps our exterior kind of settings flourish. Truthwork Media Studios.